InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Well, if you've driven into a gas station lately to fill up your car, you may feel we have a problem with high gas prices. Well, a man thinks they're not a problem, but the symptom of a problem, and he joins us on InfoTrack. Tom Mast, energy expert. Tom, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Now, you've written a book called Over a Barrel, A Simple Guide to the Oil Shortage, and you're certainly uh, well qualified to talk about this because you have degrees, a master's degree in mechanical engineering, an MBA from Harvard. You were with the uh, Civil Engineer Corps in Philadelphia and a lot of experience in the uh, energy field. Is this a simple thing to explain why we have an oil shortage, why prices are so high, or is it, is it a little complicated? Well, I think it's fairly complicated, and I don't think the average citizen begins to understand where we are or where we're going. Now, it seems like we're still using a lot of oil, as we have been for decades and decades. Shouldn't we be further along with other technology, other forms of energy? That'd be my first question for you. Well, I think we absolutely should be. Uh, we Americans represent 5% of the world's population, and we use 25% of the world's oil. And we've been very rich and blessed in this country. We've had abundant energy, oil, and other forms of energy. And it's caused our personal lives and our industrial base to prosper to a degree that has never been known before in the world. In terms of the average person right now when they fill up their car or their SUV or, or their truck, why is the price so high? It seems like not too long ago it was a lot more affordable. Well, you're right. The price of oil has roughly doubled in the last two years, and we haven't had a shortage yet worldwide. Nobody has not been able to get the oil that he or she wants. And when I say oil, I mean gasoline, jet fuel, and diesel fuel, and other of the many products that come from oil. But the mere threat that we would have a shortage has driven prices up substantially. Gasoline is still cheap in this country relative to what it is in Europe, and most people must think it's cheap because they really haven't changed their driving habits very much over the past few months as the price of gasoline has gone up. How big a difference will Alaskan oil reserves uh, make for our country? Is that going to really change things a lot, or is it just going to sort of help a little bit? No, it's not. It's not going to make a big change. It will make uh, somewhat of a change, of course, but the United States oil reserves, including Alaska, represent between 2 and 3% of the world's oil reserves, and the Middle East has 63%. That's over 21 times as much as the United States has. So having an energy policy that seems to be geared towards seeing how fast we can use up our remaining oil doesn't seem like what we should be doing. We should be working harder to wean ourselves off of oil, particularly foreign oil, and on to the next thing. The problem is the next thing is difficult to decide upon. Most of the alternatives that have been proposed for gasoline and for oil have some either technical or social problems or both. 
We're talking with Tom Mast, an energy expert and author of Over a Barrel, A Simple Guide to the Oil Shortage. Tom, are the hybrid vehicles that people are driving, is that a big answer? I think the average person feels kind of helpless because these are international things that are controlling energy costs, and there's not a lot they can do. They might be able to drive a hybrid car. Is that going to make a big difference? Well, hybrids are a wonderful invention, and they get roughly twice the gas mileage that our regular cars get. They're still burning uh, gasoline. They're still burning oil-based fuels. But if they burn half as much of it, then that conserves the oil, and it gives us more time to work on the alternatives. There's another product coming down the road, invention, innovation, called a plug-in hybrid. And it's just a hybrid with a bigger battery so that it can run on the battery alone with an electric motor for 30 or 40 or 50 miles a distance that is greater than most people drive most days. So you plug it in at night in your garage, and the next day, if you don't drive over, say, 40 miles, then you're using electricity and you're not using any gasoline. So during the life of a plug-in hybrid, it might only be running on gasoline 20% of the time. And the other time, it's running on electricity, and that electrical power can be generated by Sources of energy other than oil can be generated by nuclear energy or coal or natural gas. Tom, at the current rate, we're and we're using a lot of oil worldwide and in this country, when are we really going to hit the wall? When are we going to run out? Because there has to be a limited supply of it. That's right. Oil is definitely finite, and most people feel that we've used roughly half of the oil that it took several hundred million years to generate. And we've done that, as I tend to tell people, we did it in the lifetime of one person. My mother died recently. She was 91. And during her lifetime, she saw almost the entire evolution of the automobile industry and the same for the aviation industry and the same for the petroleum industry that supported those two. And now the world has four times as many people and almost infinitely more cars and planes And we're going through the second half of that oil at a much more rapid clip. And so pretty soon, the production of oil is not going to be able to keep up with the demand, and we're going to start having ever-increasing shortages. Now, there's some argument about whether that will happen this year or two years or five or ten or even 20 years from now. But it is going to happen, and the sooner we uh, get really serious about developing alternatives and uh, developing the industries that it takes to roll them out, the better off we'll be. We can't just rely on rolling out mass transit to solve the problem. We've got to somehow come up with vehicles that will run on something other than oil-based fuels. So, Tom, uh, I guess the question would be, if you were in charge of everything, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you do to fix this problem or, or to make things better? Well, I would create a very aggressive research and development program on a national level, perhaps jump-started by the federal government, but primarily driven by industries, and it might be small industries might be more successful at it than larger ones, because quite often they tend to move faster and be more innovative, and they would be investigating better batteries for cars, nuclear waste disposal, better silicon for solar electric applications, and all the other problems that we have with 
most of the uh, mentioned alternatives mm -hmm. for oil. So research is really going to be the key here in finding what we need to get to the next well, step absolutely. here. Absolutely, and we, we need to be working hard on things that we know how to do, like hybrids, for example, and we need to also be working hard on things that perhaps may be a few decades down the road, like hydrogen power or fusion nuclear power plants. And, proper storage of nuclear waste and that sort of thing. Tom, do you think that it's, it's really going to take a crisis to get people focused on this, or, or is it just going to uh, sort of slowly slide toward that? Well, in writing the book, my hope was to get people alerted enough that we would begin to uh, start doing some of the things that we need to do with before we had a crisis. But so far, we don't seem to be making much progress. Yeah, you know, people talk about Social Security is going to hit the wall in 40 years or something. And in 60 years, you say 80% of the oil resources will have disappeared in the world. So that's a pretty big crisis coming at us down well, the road. absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. At that time, my grandchildren will be the age that I am now. And it's difficult for me to picture what kind of lives they're going to have if they don't have particularly the oil or other forms of abundant energy we've had. So I think we all have a responsibility to our children and grandchildren to start doing something about this and not just push the problems off on them. And like Social Security, it's a long-range problem, and we don't seem either as consumers or as legislators to be very good at handling long-range problems. Over a Barrel, A Simple Guide to the Oil Shortage. Tom Mast is the author and energy expert. And your website is overabarrelbook.com and the book Over a Barrel. Tom, thanks again so much for joining us on InfoTrack. Well, thanks for having me. Next, if junk mail, spam, and telemarketers have you fuming, we've got the answers for you. Stay tuned. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.